So you may be wondering about the title of the message today, How to Be a Moon, and you might be thinking, I'm not sure that's what I signed up for because I came to find out how to follow God, and so what is she talking about? And I'm hoping, my prayer is that by the end of this message, you will walk away with a little picture of how the moon can actually show us a picture of what it's like to follow God and what that means. Um, so for me, one of the things I love is the way that God speaks to us in so many different ways. And we know he speaks to us through his word. The Bible says that the word is alive and active and it's able to teach and correct and rebuke. And you'll find that, you know, you read through the words and sometimes this passage will stand out that you never noticed before. Um, and that's the spirit saying, okay, I want to show you something here. Um, and so I love, I love how God speaks to us through his word. I love how God speaks to us through worship. And we just experienced such a beautiful moment with God through worship. And that might be your personality that you just absolutely love to sit with God in worship. Um, and then I found for myself that nature is another beautiful way. And, you know, driving here on, on the way here and all the farmland. And just I'm struck by the hugeness of God and, and who he is. Um, but I've, I've found, ever since I was a teen, actually, I've, been loved, I've loved the verse, Psalm 19, 1 through 2, that says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the works of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they display knowledge. And so I feel like this beautiful thing that God created the world and that he actually hid pieces of himself and his wisdom in the very things he created. And so even when Jesus was here on the earth explaining truths to his disciples and to his listeners, he would use these parables. And a lot of times those stories would be about things in the natural world. And so he would talk about, for instance, the, the mustard seed. And he would say, you know, the kingdom of heaven is like this mustard seed that's so tiny, but it's planted. And then it grows to become the largest of the garden plants, so large that birds can, can perch in its branches and it creates support and beauty. And I think, isn't it amazing that Jesus, the creator of that seed, would have intentionally designed it to hold a piece of who he is, that one day we would get to look at that and say, this is amazing, that God designed this intentionally to show us this truth. And so that sort of happened for me with the moon a couple years ago. I feel like God started showing me, I designed the moon as sort of a picture for what it could be for you to follow me. And so God showed me that he is like the sun, He's like this amazing, glorious light. He's the source of light. And then we, as his followers, we get to be reflectors. We get to be moons. And um, I just think it's such a cool image that, again, he makes us to be like himself. And if you look throughout the scripture, you'll find so many references to light. In fact, if you're someone who enjoys a little research on your own at home, I would recommend that you even go to BibleGateway.com and look up the word light in the Bible and darkness. And there's so many interesting verses of imagery in there having to do with God as light. He says, um, actually, 1 John 1, 5 says, God is light and in him is no darkness at all. And then to follow with this moon theme, if he is light, then we are made to also be light. And so he says, you are the light of the world. And he tells us to go out and be that light. And I also love this image. Um, there's a verse in Psalms that says that the moon is the faithful witness in the sky. And it occurred to me, isn't that what we're supposed to do? Isn't that who we are as, as Christ followers? That we are a witness to 
God, to who he is and, and all that he's doing in our lives. And so if you think about the night sky and you look out there and you can't see the sun and it, it's, it's bleak and it's dark, but when you see the moon, it's as though the moon is saying, the sun is still there. The sun is still out there and it's shining powerfully. And so that's part of this, this journey when we become, we learn from the moon what it means to witness to the world, to say this is the light and this is what he's like. So as we go through this, I want to just share three things that we can learn, three pictures we can learn from the moon. I think we can learn how to embrace our worth. We can learn how to reflect God. And we can learn how we're made to light up our generation. And my key passage here is going to be Ephesians 5, 8 through 16. And you can follow along. Um, So I will start here in verse 8. For you were once darkness... But now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. I love verse 13 here. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. And so I'm going to start with this idea of embracing our worth, and what the moon teaches us a little bit about that. And uh, I always feel a little, you know, when I start talking about the moon, if you picture the moon in the sky without, without being illuminated, it's just kind of awkward, right? It's just sort of a, a ball of, of rock and dust out there. Um, and I, I think it's kind of this picture that in our, in our relationship with God, we don't bring anything to the table. You know, we, we come and we're just, we're full of craters and we're a mess and we are broken But I believe that God shines on us anyway. And so the moon and the sun, the relationship they have, is this powerful reminder to me of God's love and his grace and his redemption for us. 1 Timothy 1.9 says that God has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. And so there's, there's this reminder here that Christ loved us that while we were still sinners, he died for us. You know, I think sometimes we look at our past and people will say, I don't, I can't, God can't love me, God can't forgive me, because look at all the things that I've done. But God doesn't ask us to, to fix our craters. He doesn't ask us to, to smooth out our edges or, or be perfect for us to follow him. He says, I loved you and I paid for you with my life. That's what I valued you as. And I would do it all over again. And he says, I'm I'm calling you into this relationship with me, not because of what you've done, not because you're perfect, but because of who I am, because of my purposes. And to me, this is this beautiful picture of redemption, too, because there's something scary, isn't there, about admitting our failures, admitting our brokenness before each other with our our relationships with one another, but also with God. And I know for me, like, I don't really like to to come out and just tell people the worst of of my brokenness. I don't like to, you know, coming into the light, and that verse says that it's exposed. When we come into the light, we're exposed, and that sounds scary. But the enemy knows something. The enemy knows that when God brings us into the light, it is not for our shame, It is not to shame us or to condemn us, 
because everything that is illuminated becomes a light. In other words, God actually wants to take us in our brokenness and in all our mess, and he wants to redeem us and turn us into a light that shines precisely back into the darkness that we've come out of. And so often it's, the, it's those places in our lives that feel so broken, that feel so, you know, um, maybe it's, it's a loss or it's, a, again, something we're wrestling with, um, or maybe it's a, a, a fear. When we give those things to God, when we surrender those things to him, he's going to connect us with other people around us that are going through similar things, other people that are still in darkness that need that light. And so the enemy doesn't want that. So he tries to make the darkness look like a refuge, He tries to make the darkness look like this safe space when all along God is like, come into my light. I promise you it's good. Psalm 34, 5 says, those who look to him are radiant and their faces are never covered in shame. When God calls us into his his light, it is is for our good. It is for the good of those around us. Uh, God wants to redeem us and turn us into light to go into the darkness And I also just think this is such a picture of God's grace, the fact that he shines on us, and it's this unmerited thing, right? We don't don't have to do anything. Um, And I don't know about you, I've I've been um, walking with God for a long time, and I think sometimes I've subtly started to treat grace as though it were like a really great job that God gave me that I didn't deserve. And I'm like, thanks, God, this is an awesome job, and I know I don't deserve it, and I'm not going to let you down. And suddenly, somehow, I start to act like I have to work to maintain that job. That somehow, if I don't do all the right things, that maybe I'm going to get fired from that job, right? Um, And we can start treating God like a to-do list, or we can feel like we don't ever measure up. And this happened for me. um, I had this moment recently. um, So, you know, guys, I thought I was a pretty good person until I had kids. And (laughs) then I realized, no, I'm I'm pretty messed up. and so I had this moment with my, with my middle son, and he's just like my button pusher. I don't know if you guys have any button pushers, but God gave him to humble me, I think. Um, anyway, so one day I sent my son to bed, and you know that was apparently just cruel of me. So my son reacted by taking all the drawers out of the dresser and every single article of clothing out of the drawers. And so they're everywhere. And so I come in there, and I tried to be patient, and I said, you got to put this away. You have to go to bed. And he was pretty much like, make me. And so I had this moment where I just lost it. And I don't know if you've ever been there with with your kids or with someone else where you just, like, I just screamed at him. And I thought, this is so, so broken of me. Like, here God's entrusted me with this beautiful child. And I just screamed at him. And so now he's crying. And I'm crying. And um, it wasn't pretty. And that night, I was in bed, and I was sitting there, and I was like, God, this is ridiculous. Like, I, I, you know, I shouldn't even be a parent. This is, you know, why is it that I could possibly do this to my kid? And I feel like God was saying, I love you, and my grace covers this. And I almost started arguing with God. I don't know if you've done that. Um, But I was like, no, no, you don't understand. I, I don't deserve to be forgiven for what I did to my son. And then God was like, yeah, that's, that's what grace is. Like, you never deserved it. You know, maybe, maybe every once in a while you need to be reminded of that. And so I just say that story to, to say, you know, sometimes I feel like we, we're so afraid that our, that our brokenness, not just our past brokenness, but our present brokenness is going to keep us from God's love or his grace or his plan. And God says, no, I see you 
and, I, and I'm grateful that you're, that you're confessing your sins, that you want to be changed, but you need to trust me. And, and nothing that you do is going to change the way I see you. Nothing that you do is going to change your worth in me. And so we just can rest in that today, rest in his worth that he gives us freely. And so we learn from the moon what it means to just sit and, and rest in God and embrace the worth he gives us. And we also learn what it means to reflect God. So what does that mean? What does it mean to, to reflect God? And I think, again, going back to, to our kids or to, to children we see with their parents, don't we notice how often our kids pick up habits and traits from us? And so, you know, I'll see these, these characteristics, sometimes not great ones, but sometimes really beautiful things that my kids will do or faces that they'll make, and I see, oh, that's me, that's my husband. And I think in the same way, God begins to make us more like himself as we rest in his presence, as we spend time with him. The verse in Ephesians talks about understanding what pleases the Lord, what makes him happy. And I think that's really what God wants for us is for us to rest in him and be in his presence and begin to let him make us more like himself. And as we do, he renews us because we're already made in the image of our creator, but he wants to make us holy as he's holy. And so it's literally like we, we become more and more like him as we watch him. And I believe that we are specifically called to do what Jesus did when he was here on earth. And, and Jesus, when he came, he says in Luke 4, 18 through 19, this is when he begins his, his ministry and he's speaking and he says, the, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And so again, I think we are meant to go and, and live out that calling that Jesus came here as well to do. And so um, we were designed to reflect him in that way. And when I think about the moon, the moon, if it's, if it's not in the presence of its, of its light source, again, it's, it's just a dull rock. It's just sitting there. And in the same way, I think when we try to reflect God without God, it doesn't make sense, right? We can't be a moon reflecting the sun unless we're in his presence. And I actually think, um, when I think about the moon, the only thing in the natural world that can keep it from shining is an eclipse, right? When something comes between the sun and, its, and the, moon, the moon and its light source. And so I feel like that's a picture for us too. When we, when we focus too much on the world, when we focus too much and get distracted by all these things happening around us that... Um, even sometimes good things. Maybe we get busy and we're doing things for God, but suddenly we move away from God. And then God's like, no, you can't shine without me. And, and he, wants, he wants us to live right here in his presence, just like Mary sat at his feet. He wants to teach us and to rest in him. And it reminds me actually of um, the parable of the branches and the vine in John 15, 5. God says, I am the, or Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And just like we need to remain in God, in the vine, um, to bear fruit, 
Ephesians reminds us that the same thing is true of us as light. We're to live as children of the light, and he says the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. So again, it's this this metaphor of fruit and light. They go hand in hand, and and it's all a result of what God is doing in us. Um, So we are made to reflect God. We're made to be like him. And we're made to let him produce those good fruits in us. And I love actually the quote that um, was shared earlier from St. Patrick that talks about, you know, God in us, God with us, God beside us, God before us. And just this beautiful sense that literally everything we do, in him we live and move and have our being. And and he sustains us and he grows this powerful fruit in us. And as we do, as we begin to reflect him, and as he calls us out, the moon teaches us what it's like to light up our generation. And I like that the end of Ephesians talks about making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. And I, I think we look around and, and we see the darkness, right? It's, it's not hard to see the darkness. I even think about the, the, you know, what happened in New Zealand this past week and just, it's broken. There's devastation, there's, there's evil that's happening, right? And, and we can become so overwhelmed by that. But I think the beautiful thing about, about God and, and God calling us to be lights is that every one of us gets to be this powerful light. It's almost like, a, like God creates us to be like a disco ball and he gets to shine this light in all these different places in all these different directions. And so the most powerful way that we can retaliate against that darkness is to let God make us into a light like himself. And like I said, that, that means that we reflect his mission to break chains, to free people, um, to love people well. And this is why, again, going back to that idea of all these, all these different lights that we get to be, you'll notice that the person sitting next to you is probably very different than you are. We might think they're a little too different sometimes, but there's a reason for that because God gives us different gifts and different abilities for precisely that reason. And there's not one single person in here who is designed to reflect the fullness of God, the fullness of his heart, I should say, the fullness of his passions. No, we were designed to do that in community. Um, there's, There's many gifts, but there's one spirit. And again, it's almost like that one light shining off of each of us, but a little differently. And... So in that sense, we almost become like this puzzle piece, and we get to join with all these other puzzle pieces around us to create this full picture of God's heart. Except sometimes when we go and do that, for myself anyway, I struggle with comparison. And I feel like comparison is such a, such a, um, a killer of, of the light that God wants to create in us. And sometimes maybe you'll find that you're like me and I look around and I'm like, oh my gosh, that person, you know, they've, they've gone on 20 missions trips and they've, you know, they're, they've adopted five kids and they've written 16 books and they've done these things. And I'm like, I could never, I could never shine that bright. You know, or maybe we, maybe on the other end, we look at someone and we think, well, their thing is not quite as important. Like they're helping just a few people, but I'm, I'm over here and I'm doing my thing. And um, I think God just constantly wants to remind us Guys, it has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do with, um, there's no greater or lesser gifts in my kingdom. We're all working together. And I recently, um, actually it's my, my friend's birthday today, so it's fitting I'm sharing a story about her, but I went to um, my, my daughter's violin concert, and thankfully she's past the stage of violin where it just sounds like a dying dog. And um, we've, we've progressed. Um, so she's, she's with this group of students, and they were playing uh, Pachelbel's can- Canon. And so in that song, there's all these different parts that are being played. 
And I thought about it, and you know, Char Charlotte, my daughter, she had this one very simple part, and she's with several other people who are playing the same part. But there was no sense of competition. You know, there was no sense that, like, oh man, I, you know, I wish I could play a part all by myself, or I wish I could play a solo. No, because I looked at her with, with this group of people that were playing the same thing she was, and there was strength in that part. And they could look at each other and they could keep in time together. And so they could challenge and encourage one another. But at the same time, there were these different parts playing over top of what she was playing. And at one point I looked around and there's just this circle of students playing and this beautiful, all these harmonies and laced together. And it was absolutely beautiful. And it reminded me, um, I went to a conference recently called the Go Conference and it's social justice. So it's about, you know, act justly, love mercy, walk humbly with God. And I was struck by all the different issues that they were talking about in regards to social justice. And one for me is, is foster care. And, and I know Ryan mentioned that, that we've adopted our youngest through the foster care system, um, which is, again, is something I love to talk to people about if you ever have any questions. Um, but for me, this is a passion of mine. And so I've adopted, but as my husband likes to remind me, I can't adopt all the children, right? Uh, I have to stop at some point. Um, this is just one piece of a much larger circle. And so what, what leads people to, to need foster care is cycles of poverty, right? Cycles of addiction. And so there's other people that are addressing those things, that are creating maybe homes for single moms who don't have a place to stay, who, who might otherwise have their children removed from care uh, because they just don't have a place to live. And so there's places that will literally take in families for two years, however long, and give them a place to stay, get them back on their feet. So maybe that's a piece of, of that puzzle. Or I, I know you guys talked about the human trafficking issue, and I love that, there's, that you guys are promoting that and that that's part of, of what you're offering because, again, youth that are in foster care that age out are often very vulnerable to being trafficked. And so you start to see that there's no single one of us with one part of our, of our story or our gift that's made to address this the whole issue, but together, as all these lights together, we get to, to be this beautiful blaze of light that really does make a difference in the darkness. I love how Frederick Buechner puts it. He says, the place God calls you to is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. And I'm sure there's something for you that you can say, when I do this thing, I come so much alive I know I can sense God creating with me and I can sense his joy in that moment. Or maybe it's, maybe it's that thing that every time you hear about that issue, you're just like, I'm, I can't help crying. I'm just a baby. I'm like, oh, okay. And so God's saying, listen, that's, that's because I put that on your heart. There's a reason that you're reacting to that so strongly. That's part of what you're meant to carry, the light that you're meant to carry into the darkness. You were designed to shine. You really were. We, we, even though we have nothing of our own to offer, God says, I designed you to be a light. I designed you to be a reflector. And I'm going to wrap up here, but I wanted to end with um, a, a parable from Matthew 25. And maybe you've heard of this one. It's the, the parable of the master who, who gives um, the bags of gold to his servants. And so the, the, there's a master who's going on a journey, and when he leaves, he leaves behind, he leaves in charge with three of his servants, different amounts of gold. And so to one he gives five bags, and to one he gives two bags, and to one he gives one bag. And basically what he says is, while I'm gone, I want you to invest this money so that when I come back, I have a return on that investment. And so he leaves, and he goes on his trip, 
And while he's gone, the, the first two servants, they double the bags of gold that they were given. So the one with five ends up with 10, and the one with two ends up with, with four. And, and then they represent that to the master, and they say, look, look, I've doubled, I've doubled what you gave me. And the master is so pleased, and he says, well done. Well done, faithful servants. But then there's this, this last servant who just had the one bag of gold. And he says that he was afraid. He was afraid, and so he, he took the bag of gold and he hid it in the ground. And so when the master comes home, he like digs up the bag of gold and, and comes and hands it to the, the master and says, look, here's what you gave me. I'm returning it to you. And the master says something that strikes me as kind of harsh because he calls him a wicked, lazy servant. And I'm like, well, gosh, he just, you know, the man was scared. He hid the gold. I don't know that he was wicked. Why, you know, where are you getting that from? Um, but as, as God began to sort of speak to me a little bit about that, I realized, you know what? Part of the travesty here was that the servant hid what was never his to hide. He took something that was investment from the master and he treated it like it was his to do with what he wanted. And, um, and I think that some of us might feel that way in our lives, that there's a fear, that there's something that you know, God has given us a gift, God's given you a passion or an ability, and there's something there that, that makes you nervous. You know, maybe, maybe you're afraid, frankly, that, that you'll encounter pride. Maybe you're like, oh my gosh, well, if I step into this, this ministry position, or if I, if I step on the worship team, or if I, if I do this thing that, where I have to stand in front of people, what if, what if I get prideful, and what if that dishonors God, and maybe I just shouldn't do it at all? You know, maybe I should just hide that. Or maybe you're someone who's, who's afraid, well, you know, what if I step out, and I don't know what I'm doing, and then I fail, and that, you know, I don't know what God's going to do with that. And so we're afraid and we, and we hide it. And all I would say to you is this. Um, if God puts something in your heart, if God designs you uniquely to be a reflector of him, first of all, we don't have to fear the pride because we know that, like, just like that song said, it's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise, right? Everything that we do is through him and because of him. So if we stand here speaking, if, we, if you go and encounter someone, if you, if you start a ministry or if you, again, you're helping with human trafficking, whatever that looks like for you, it is God in you and he's producing that good fruit. But he's made an investment in you and so we don't get to hide it. We don't get that option. And so I would just challenge you, um, if you are afraid, if there's anything that's keeping you from stepping out, just know that God, God is actually excited when you step out to do exactly what he's made you to do. And so as we, as we wrap up here, um, I feel like it's hard sometimes when, um, when we have a lot of ideas in our heads and we're like, okay, what do I, what do, I do? Which, which one of these things should I, should I work on this week? And I've, I've heard other speakers say, just pick that one thing. Because if you try to do it all, you're gonna be like me, you know, trying to you know, do the laundry and do the, this and take care of the kids and we end up getting nothing done, right? So if we pick one thing this week, what would God want you to be focusing on? And maybe, maybe for you, it's embracing your worth. Maybe you're someone who says, I don't, I don't really even know if, I, if, if God loves me or I'm, I, I feel insecure about, about what he says about me. And this week, I would just challenge you to rest in the truth that God sees you, that he loves you, that he designed you. Maybe even and just speak to someone this week or, or look up verses 
that remind you of who you are in Christ. You are loved. Maybe for you, you're someone who, who, maybe like me, I think that's what God's asking me to do this week. Maybe you've gotten busy, or maybe you've started doing lots of things for God, but God's saying, yeah, but you can't do it without me. And so maybe you are focusing on reflecting him, being in his presence, and just maybe carve out a time this week intentionally to go on a walk with God or to do something with him where you say, okay, I just want to be with you in your presence. Or maybe you're someone, again, this week who, you know, as I'm talking, or maybe as, as Pastor Spooner has been sharing in these, these past weeks, um, maybe there's something about the darkness that you believe God is, is calling you into, and you just want to say this week, God, what is that? Where do you want me to shine? What have you designed me uniquely to do? Or how can I partner with others who are already doing that? And so I would encourage you to ask God what that might look like for you. And so in all these ways, again, I hope that um, even as you see the moon, that somehow it's a beautiful picture to you now of, of how much God loves you and what he wants to do in your life and how amazing he is. God, I thank you so much for this group. I thank you for this church. And again, I just pray your favor and your blessing on every single person in this room. Um, God, I thank you that you are so glorious. God, that you are so beyond compare. And I just ask... Um, that you fill us this week with exactly um, what you want us to do, how you want us to reflect you in this generation. And I pray, Lord, that even as we continue to worship in your presence, that you'd be pleased and honored with our worship to you. Amen.